Blog Talk Radio. sound can only mean one thing. It's time to grab your kilts and hide the coconuts because things are fixing to get just a little bit rowdy here on 80s Wrestling Radio. Hello everybody, my name is Jay and welcome back to another high-flying, body-slamming, styling and profiling episode of the only wrestling show that goes live on the air when Ra goes off it. Normally, I'm joined by my sidekick, my tag team partner, my main man, Tommy. But tonight, Tommy is not here. He had the tough task of partnering with the WWE earlier today on an event for Connor's Cure. And he's capping his evening off by taking in Monday Night Raw live and in person. And so I was fearful that I'd have to face tonight's episode alone, a solo challenge. But fear not. I made a wave down to the locker room. I called for backup help, and one man was brave enough to come through the curtain and climb through the ropes to help me host tonight's episode. He is the man behind one of the hottest Instagrams out there, having to do with pro wrestling and nostalgia from the 80s and 90s. He's from Squared Circle Classics. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Matt. Matt, how are you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm good, Jay. I got to put my bagpipes down and give you a standing O for that intro. That was, uh, that was stellar, my man. Listen, thank you, brother. Thank you for being <laughs> here, for giving up your evening to talk about something that, look, I didn't have to twist Matt's arm to be here. This guy loves pro wrestling. He's knowledgeable. He's willing to talk about it, and I'm just happy he's here. Matt, tonight we're talking about the one and only rowdy roddy piper and i know because you're a man who loves wrestling that you must be a man that loves rowdy roddy am i right oh yeah i mean absolutely i mean i don't know where i would rank him for me personally but uh but i do think he's had the most unique wrestling career of anybody ever um and uh and one of the most definitive figures in the in the history of the business. Um, I mean, the guy was just an absolute natural entertainer. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's amazing the number of iconic roles that he played throughout the years in wrestling. And, uh, yeah, so, like, my, my, I think my definitive take on him is I don't think there's anybody that's had a more unique career than, uh, than Rowdy Roddy Piper. That is a wonderful take. The most unique career in the history of professional wrestling might belong to the man we're talking about tonight, but we want to hear from you, our listeners. If you're listening to us and you want to weigh in on the rowdy one, please give Matt and I a call. The number here is 323-927-2953. We are live on the air for just over the next hour talking about hot rod rowdy piper matt let me ask you this do you think that you have a first memory of rowdy piper when in your consciousness of pro wrestling do you remember seeing him 
And what was the impression that that made on a young Matt? My first, my first recollection of him was the Saturday night's main event with um, the Uncle Elmer wedding when he kind of came down and, and interrupted it. And, and that was right around the time I was just, I think that sometime in like mid-85 when, um, when I became a wrestling fan. I, was, I think I was like eight years old. Um, and, you know, he was just so out there, so crazy and rambunctious as a kid. Like I'd never seen anything like that. And, you know, what, what was so uh, amazing about him is, you know, you look at that era of where the WWF was on just starting to explode with the rock and wrestling uh, connection that Vince McMahon created. And I always, like, whenever I think of Piper, my first thought always goes back to when I first became a fan in the mid-80s and looking at him and, like, of all the heels at that time, you had, you know, I, I felt like he was kind of the definitive guy because they were all kind of these these larger-than-life cartoon characters. You know, you had him, the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, Magnificent Morocco, you know, Cowboy Bob Orton, list goes on and on, you know, Heenan, Fuji. But Piper, you know, I always kind of look at Piper, even though that he wasn't really ever connected um, with all those guys, you know, he, I, I always looked at him as kind of like that ringleader, you know, and like in Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling too, they kind of pitted him as being like the, the leader of the, of the heels. And so my, I think my whole like initial recollection of him was just being like the, the main, the top bad guy, you know, and just being so like outrageous and, uh, and super entertaining. Matt, you bring up an excellent point. When you watched wrestling in the early to mid-80s, Roddy Piper was the main villain. He was the ringleader. He was the guy that if you pointed to Hulk Hogan and said that's the face of the company, the alter ego of that, the complete opposite, the bad guy at the time was Piper. And like you said, it wasn't necessarily that he was tied to all those other heels but he definitely assumed that role. And I think it had a lot to do with his personality. Piper had the ability to draw emotion from people more so than a King Kong Bundy who was just big and menacing. I think his personality is what put him on the map as that villain. And at that time, I think Hogan needed somebody like that who not only was a bad guy by the moves and the actions in the ring, but the mouthpiece that was Rowdy Piper, yeah. the ability to verbalize what he was thinking and what he was feeling. Matt, can you just expound for a moment on just the incredible promos that Rowdy Piper had? Yeah. I mean, I, like you said, I think the fact that he was just, he was an entertainer, you know, and um, there's this really interesting uh, rock and roll wrestling, rock and roll special that took place in 1985 when um, it was actually going to be hosted by uh, Hervé Villachez, you know, the guy that plays tattoo from, from um, uh, fantasy Island. And it was mm -hmm. a CBS special that, that was going to be hosted. And it was also kind of a way for them to kick off the fall uh, Saturday morning cartoon schedule. And it was when Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling was coming out. And anyway, the whole kayfabe of that show is that Piper came and took over the hosting duties and it's about 45 minutes long. You can find it on YouTube and you just watch that. Like he's just such a showman. Like it just came naturally to him, you know, and 
you know, his promos were just outlandish and, you know, his gimmick of being the, the wild, you know, Scotsman, he, it just fit with just the tirade that he would, that he could just go on, you know, but he could also just get super serious and stare dead into your soul into the camera and talk real calm and then just go ballistic. I mean, I, there's, there's, I mean, there's been others that have kind of been somewhat like him, but I think he stands head and shoulders above everybody um, because he was just, I don't know, man. I, he just was so much more outlandish than everybody, but I think he, he understood what it meant to kind of have the audience like eating out of the palm of his hand, you know, like he knew when to push it. And he also kind of think, understood when to kind of draw it back. But man, that guy just had so much swagger back then. And you know, I, I'd say like any wrestlers nowadays coming up. I mean, he's a great guy from like the psychological side of the business to really kind of study. Um, because I mean, when the lights and cameras went on, man, he just w- balls out, and you gotta love it. I think you hit the nail on the head. If if you want to study. Uh, what it means to be a heel in the world of professional wrestling, you should definitely be watching the tapes of Rowdy Piper because, like you said, he had everything. When that camera light went on, he oozed personality and charisma. And like you said, he could be off the walls crazy or he could be dead serious. And either way he was playing it, you believed it. You bought into it. Uh, And we're going to get to some of his matches and we're going to get to Piper's pit moments just coming up. I want to give the call-in number one more time. Uh, the call-in number here is 323-927-2953. I'm Jay. I'm here with Matt, and we're talking about Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper. And, Matt, before we move on to some of the greatest matches and moments in the career of this WWE legend, I just want to draw – draw everyone's attention to the, to the obvious, okay? The man wore a kilt, which at the time, people thought it was a skirt, okay? It was a, it was a great heel move because it drew instant heat. Uh, and as a kid, I had never seen a kilt before, so I didn't know what to think. Matt, before we go take our first caller, I got to get your two cents on the kilt. What did you think about it? I mean, I, I didn't think anything of it as other than the fact that that's, that was his gimmick, you know, like that was, you know, that was, that's part of being the, the hot rod, the, the rowdy Scotsman, man. And, and uh, with the bagpipes that he could actually play, you know, that's kind of like what helped break him in was that he could, he could play the bagpipes. And I, I want to say even down in like one of the Texas territories, um, I think he actually did the stars, you know, like before the, the event started, he actually came out and did the Star Spangled Banner on the on the uh, on the bagpipe. So, you know, I think the kilt just added to the whole persona. And I loved, you know, the all of the <laughs> all of the random like crazy T-shirts he'd wear that either had like I mean, obviously everyone's familiar with the Hot Rod one, but I love it when he'd yeah. wear the ones that had like animals on them. And yeah, um, you know, back in his SWA days, he had you know he had all kinds of crazy stuff on there too. So, you know, I it just it just completed the whole, the whole look of, of the gimmick. That's a great, great point of view. You didn't think it was a skirt for one minute. We're going to check in with a caller here on line. Number one caller. You are live on the air with Matt and Jay. Welcome to eighties wrestling radio. What's your name? Hey, good evening, Matt and Jay. This is Matt. How are we doing gentlemen? 
This is Matt, the Golden Voice. How are you doing tonight, sir? Doing well, thank you. Doing well. Hey, Matt. Well, we're just we're uh, just here talking about Hot Rod, and we're wondering what you what's your take on the man. Loved him as a heel. I think he was a really great heel. I think he was able to draw emotion out of the people, really make people mad. He did his job very well as a heel. Loved him as a baby face. And um, I got in, by the time I had gotten into watching wrestling, he was in the twilight of his career. It had to be around 92. So he was essentially on his way out. I think he did the Royal Rumble, and then he lost to Bret Hart at WrestleMania. So then I got to know him more you know, when he was coming back in the mid to late 90s between WWF and WCW. Although one thing I find interesting, you talked about him being head and shoulders above all the other heels, you know, and for various reasons, especially the promos. But if you look at him in the WWF from the first WrestleMania all the way to maybe WrestleMania 25, his last one, not too many times was he actually pinned in a WWF ring. No, you're absolutely right, yeah. Matt. That was that was part of his early career is refusing to lose. Uh, and I think when he did, you mentioned he wrestled Bret Hart at WrestleMania eight, and I think uh, I think that one he took yes. the clean loss on, and I think that was a big deal, a passing of the torch to Bret. But you're right, he did not lose very often. No, I saw Jericho pin him ten years ago at WrestleMania in the uh, the Legends match. And um, I know at one point he did a stretcher job for The Undertaker, even in, I think it was 90 or 91. They had him, I think, tombstone him outside the ring, and they carried Piper out on the stretcher rather than having Taker pin him in the ring cleanly. Yeah, you know, I think what's interesting um, is, you know, he was known for that in terms of he wasn't – he wasn't into doing the J-O-B. Um, and, you know, again, I think, like, that was going to kind of go into my bigger point about him and how he's had the most unique career of any wrestler ever. And I think that that's one of the the interesting things about the mystique around him is that, you know, he'd lose plenty, you know, but it'd always be by DQ, some kind of cheat, or there'd be interference. Um, but to get a clean one, two, three on Piper, I mean, he was, he was like in that verified Hogan air, you know, like you weren't going to get his mat, his shoulders pinned to the mat. And, um, you know, I think that there's something to be said for like the fact that there's probably what maybe I mean, those two guys in the history of wrestling, um, that were, you know, I mean, Bruno lost a handful of times too, obviously, but I'm thinking like more modern era, you know, that, that just, that just doesn't happen anymore. No, it doesn't. I think his legacy though, ultimately one thing that everybody's going to remember about him, not just the successful transition into, you know, entertainment, film and television though. I think he still has the best interview spot of them all. You've seen Carlitos Cabana, the Heartbreak Hotel, King's Court, the Body Shop, the Flower Shop. Piper's Pit is where it's at. I agree. Yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Matt. I think if it wasn't for Piper's Pit, we wouldn't have had all those other ones. I think it was the original, and in my opinion, it was the best. Uh, Matt, what do you think? I mean, I I love all of those old 80s. Um, 
those little those little vignette segments like that. I mean, I'm a fan of all of them: the Body Shop, the Snake Pit, Brother Love. I mean, for me, like I, that was just such a great way to build the product and also showcase the the personalities of of all the wrestlers. And but yeah, I mean, Piper Smith's iconic, you know, with with so many segments from the Jimmy Snuka coconut incident, you know, to to setting up the stage for uh, for Hogan and Andre for WrestleMania three. I mean, that to me might be its most iconic moment was the build up in that January or I mean that February and March um, of eighty seven, the build up for for Hogan and Andre where you know they had they first presented uh, Andre with that 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 big like uh, uh, was it like a lifetime appreciation trophy or something and he kind of came out and waved and then kind of poo pooed it and Hulk was out there and then he walked off and then you know, a few weeks later, you get the whole thing with him coming out with Heenan. Like, that was just so mind-boggling to watch. Um, and to me, like, you know, one of the most iconic moments in ever in wrestling. I, I think you're right. I think there were so many moments on Piper's Pit that just are cemented in the minds of wrestling fans. And oftentimes when you see old clips, a lot of them are from the segments from shows like that, and a lot of them are from Piper's Pit. Uh, Matt, caller Matt, this is too many Matts on the air. Caller Matt, any last thoughts on Piper uh, before we send you off into the night? Uh, just one of the very best ever, and I think to, still to this day and forever, so sorely missed. Absolutely right. Matt, thank you so much well, for thanks. calling in. We always love hearing from you. Continue to listen, and please continue to call, my man. I will. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good evening. You Thanks, too. man. All right. Look, he brought up some excellent points about Roddy Piper, and we talked a little bit about how he did not like to do the job, especially early in his career. And, Matt, I'm wondering, I just want to hear from you some of your thoughts uh, that's kind of a, he, he, he would say in interviews that he doesn't want to lose because he thought once you took that first loss, that it diminished your value and that it was easier to take the next loss and then the next loss. And pretty soon you weren't a hot commodity. And he's coming from the days when there was territory wrestling. And so he needed to protect uh, what he had. I don't think that same type of attitude uh, would help somebody progress in the world of professional wrestling today but Matt what's your thought on on Piper's stance of he's got to protect his gimmick got to protect his stock and doesn't want to take the one two three for just anybody you know again I I, it was a great point that he brought up and it it kind of like builds on where I where I feel like he's had this 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 career that stands um so like on its own island you know because not, you know, you talk about that because nobody would have the clout to do that. I mean, you know, you think of like some of the greats that came before him around his time, like Flair, you know, Harley Race. I mean, all these guys, you know, um, had to lay down for somebody. And, you know, I, it wasn't as much that way for him in his earlier career, but everywhere he went, he, he became a star and, and he won titles. You know, coming up through um, uh, some, some of the Texas territories and the California and then you know, I think he really cut his teeth and, and became a big star here in Portland um, and then went off into mid-Atlantic and he beat Flair for the U.S. Uh, title. And, um, you know, at that point in time, and he had that great feud with, with Valentine where he got the, the ear injury. But, you know, you look at him, wherever he went, 
He elevated the territory. But what was so unique about him is that he gets to WWF and, you know, couldn't wrestle right out of the gate because I think he's still recovering from those that, that ear issue that he had. And he became kind of a manager. But, but quickly after that, you know, goes right into the whole rock and wrestling as the top heel, headlines WrestleMania, but then realized, you know, hey, he's been in the wrestling game for 10 years. The idea of acting in Hollywood was interesting to him. So he basically just, like, tells Vince, like, hey, I'm going to go do this, you know. And that was so crazy for wrestler back then to just kind of, when, when you're at your peak, to just be like, yeah, I'm going to bow out and, and try my hand at acting. And then you know, got a couple roles and a couple leading roles. And, and obviously the, the, um, the movie They Live kind of got some, it's a cult classic and was kind of critically acclaimed. And, you know, but then he was able to basically write his own ticket with, with Vince to me, which was just so interesting because he drew. So it's like, well, I'm going to take some time off and go shoot some movies. And I'm, uh, maybe I'll come back. And then when he wanted to come back, because, like, obviously those movies were all kind of like B-movies, and some of them are great B-movies, you know, that probably didn't have the biggest check um, attached to him. He had to come back and, and butter his bread by wrestling again. But he'd come back in, and he'd always get a real unique hot spot angle. So he'd come back at WrestleMania five and do the whole um, thing with Morton Downey Jr., right? And then he leaves again, and then he's, then he's an announcer um, on WWF Superstars. You know, and then he does that for a while, and he feuds with Rick Rude, and then he leaves again, and then he comes back, and he does, and he wins the Intercontinental Championship, and and uh, and sets Brett up for you know his amazing singles run, and then he leaves again, and then he comes back, and and he does an amazing program with uh, Goldust that that match at WrestleMania, the Backlot Brawl, and so you know the the reason he's so like on his own when you're like looking at all the greats is he took a path. He, he wrote his own ticket, you know, like he came and went at his own leisure and he did everything from, you know, announcing to having the, the talk segment to wrestling. Um, you know, the guy was just amazing at all of it. And he basically told Vince to pound sand whenever he wanted to, knowing that he was so good in such a draw that whenever he wanted to come back, he knew he could come back and that there would be something that he would agree to do. And to me, I feel like, I mean, if that doesn't put you in, like, the biggest of baller status for wrestlers, I, I, I can't think of any – I mean, The Rock a little bit with once he started acting, but, um, but you look at the career in totality of everything he did from wrestling, announcing, and everything else, I mean, it just, it just stands out to me as a career that uh, is unmatched. We're here on 80s Wrestling Radio, and Matt from Squared Circle Classics is making a very strong case a very strong argument as to why Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper may have had the most unique path, the most unique career to the world of professional wrestling. A man who is not afraid to tell Vince McMahon to go kick sand and do it his way, and he did it his way indeed. If you'd like to weigh in on Roddy Piper, please give us a call. Area code 323-927-2900. Five, three. We'll be chatting about Piper until about 11 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And Matt, before we move on to talk about some of the most historic matches and moments in the life of Rowdy Piper, you mentioned that in the territory days as he traveled around to the East Coast and down to the southern regions of wrestling, he won a lot of championship titles. Then when he got to the WWE and was arguably the greatest villain 
on the card, the leader of the pack, as we discussed. Championship titles is not something that he's known for in the world of uh, the WWF. And there are people that say some characters don't need belts to help get them over. And maybe Rowdy Piper was one of those that was over uh, without having to have a title around his waist. Matt, you're a very educated wrestling fan. I'm sure you have some insight into whether Roddy Piper was championship material, uh, if he should have had a championship uh, sooner than he did. Uh, he did win the IC belt uh, from the Mountie at the Royal Rumble in 1992, but maybe he should have had the heavyweight strap at some point. I'd just love to get your take on it, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the way that wrestling was set up back then, um, I don't think he needed it because he was such a unique character that, you know, he was going to draw regardless of who he faced. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy that they eventually did put the, the IC strap on him, uh, you know, to, to kind of help set up Brett's, Brett's eventual run. Um, and I, I think, you know, giving him the title at that point in 92 was just kind of like, uh, um, you know, kind of <laughs> in some ways a little bit of the gold watch, you know, saying like, hey, thanks for, thanks for all the, your, your service and uh, letting him have like a little bit of a run with it. But, you know, I, I think it's kind of part of the, the, the time period too, because if you think about it, you know, once Hogan got the, the belt, you know, it was staying on him for quite a long time. Um, you know, and then obviously Randy was, was w who the successor was after that. But, um, you know, I, I, I just, in that time period, I mean, I think if there was any way you could go back and rewrite history, it'd be cool if, you know, maybe before like somewhere in, um, 92, 93, when, before, you know, Hogan left the company, uh, you know, maybe if Piper would have come back and they could have had a, you know, one more big with him as a heel to kind of have one more big blow up because, you know, they, they wrestled a lot in that kind of like that 85 year. But after that, I mean, Hogan was on, on to, you know, Piper went and filmed body slam in 1986 and Hogan's like hot as, you know, hotter than anything at that point. So he's feuding with, you know, everybody from Bundy to, uh, to Mr. Wonderful um, and so, you know, I, I think while the, the feud with Hogan really kind of like kicked off the, the whole promotion shooting to the moon, um, it would have been maybe kind of cool to see them, you know, revisit that as a, as a potential Hogan feud when Hogan was starting to wane back in, you know, the early 90s before, uh, before he bounced. That could have been an interesting thing to look at to kind of like maybe – um, you know, uh, build up Hulkamania a little bit if they could have had a, a, another program in there. Um, but I think at that point, too, I think Piper, I think once Piper made his face turn, he didn't really want to go back on that. Um, I think he was he was kind of like happy being that, that, that kind of hero that was a little bit more of like the anti-hero. But, you know, if he, if he was around in today's wrestling, I mean, he, I think he'd be, first of all, like if you if you took him exactly how he was, Oh man, I think he'd make a great champion. In fact, I think it would be really smart to put the belt on him in today's product because you'd want a guy like that that was just so brash at, that you could have all of your top baby faces, um, you know, chasing him. I think like that would have been a more entertaining storyline. But I mean, the thing that's crazy is is he's so 
he's so outlandish that like he'd probably be so over, you know, it'd kind of be like almost how, kind of stone cold. Even when he was bad, he was good. You know, Roddy might kind of be that guy today, but I would I would say <clears throat> um, in this era when you're absolutely starved for guys with charisma, I think, you know, you could have put the strap on him now and it probably would have helped, you know, it would have helped the business. But, but back in those days, um, you know, in the WWF speaking specifically, I, I, I definitely understand them not needing to do it. Um, and then all these other territories, you know, I think it just, it just became, he became such a, 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 a big draw that putting the belt on him was, was, was like a natural thing to do in some of those territories. Uh, like in the NWA territories. And then obviously when he did his, you know, I, I like to kind of think it's like, I'd like to take his entire WCW uh, career, like late nineties and just like think that it never existed. Cause he was really past his prime at that point. And <laughs> it really wasn't that fun to watch him. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think he, I, I, he beat Brett for the U S title. I think he won maybe like a couple titles. Um, and, and during that period when, you know, it, you could tell it's like, uh, Man, it was kind of it was kind of hard to watch at that point with him. Listen, you said a bunch of interesting stuff, and I think you have the absolute right perspective that maybe early in the '80s, when Hogan was on his hot run, it wasn't time for a title change. But it would have been cool to see it come full circle and have him challenge Hulk Hogan, like you said, as Hulkamania was starting to wean off into the '90s, and Hogan was looking to do other things to bring that feud full circle. That certainly could have meant uh, big box office hits. For the McMahon family. Matt, we have a caller on the line, and I recognize the number. I think it's Mr. Tommy himself. That must mean Monday Night Raw's off the air, and he's on the car ride home. So let's check in with him right now on line number one. We are joined with Tommy. Tommy, what's going on? Hey, guys. I, I would rather just uh, be honest with you. I was enjoying your conversation. I like to just sit back and listen to you guys uh Talk some more Roddy Piper. I was hoping that I could still be on hold for a couple more minutes. I was uh, I was enjoying the conversation, but uh, yeah, uh, Monday Night Raw was uh, just got off the air, and uh, we're on our way back now. And uh, uh, I didn't really mention on the air last week. I'm I'm the uh, marketing director for California Pizza Kitchen, and we had a uh, big benefit today for Connor's Cure. Uh, all the New York and New Jersey locations this entire week. If you come there to eat. Uh, either uh, lunch, dinner, takeout, or catering. 20% of the bill will get donated back to Connor's Cure. That's from now to this Friday. So anyone that lives in New York or New Jersey, uh, please stop to one of the California Pizza Kitchens this week and uh, tell them you're part of Connor's Cure and 20% will get donated back. Uh, it was a great turnout today. We had Baron Corbin and Nikki Cross from the WWE there. And that was a great event. And uh, they invited us to go to Monday Night Raw tonight. We just uh, left there. Um, I'm a little jealous because Piper was one of my favorites uh, as a kid. And a uh, real quick story that I'm going to uh, jump off while you guys continue because you guys are having a really good conversation. Uh, when I was a little kid, man, and I, I never forget this, I, I hold a grudge to my mom and dad to this day over this. WrestleMania two, when it was Piper against Mr. T in the boxing match. If you guys remember, Lou Duva was the boxing trainer for Rowdy Roddy Piper and his gym was literally three blocks from my house as a child. And uh, someone in the neighborhood caught wind that Piper was there training. And all the kids in the neighborhood went and got to meet Roddy Piper and get their picture with him and an autograph. I don't know what was wrong if I was a, <laughs> I was a bad boy that day. or I don't know what happened. My parents wouldn't let me go. 
They would not let me go. And all my friends came back home with a Roddy Roddy Piper autographed picture and a, a picture with them. And I had to stay home. And to this day, I hold the grudge that my mom and dad, <laughs> because I never, all this, all the shows over the last 25 years I promote it and events that I've been at, I've never met, had an opportunity to meet Roddy Roddy Piper, believe it or not. And uh, Matt, I know you're from uh, his neck of the woods. Uh, yeah, man, I never got a chance to meet him, and I hold a grudge. Mom, if you're, if you're listening to this show, I hold a grudge to you that I never got to meet the hot rod. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm in the same boat, man, and I, and I even have less than an excuse considering he was uh, he lived out, out here. You know, um, they had, a, he had an auto body shop on the other side of town from where I live, which I don't know if it's still there. It was just Hot Rod's Body Shop, and um yeah i mean he portland wrestling was kind of um still hanging on by a thread in the early 90s and you know he made a couple of appearances back then and then um worked on actually trying to revive it a little bit in the late 90s on a real minor scale where they would actually mix it was kind of an interesting concept they would actually mix in some like like a current wrestling promotion and then half of it would be them showing old clips from like Portland wrestling in its heyday from the seventies and eighties. So they called it the Portland wrestling revival. And it was, it was kind of like a, this mix and match show, but yeah, I mean, I probably had a couple opportunities to try and meet him. I just, yeah, I just, I um, <laughs> dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least I have a little bit more of an excuse. I'm a Jersey boy and he was only here one time, but you, man, you could have probably <laughs> went to his house and, and gave him this mail, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, hey guys, sure. listen, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you guys run. I'm gonna let you get back to your conversation. I was really enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, tuning in tomorrow on demand. And anyone out there listening right now, you can watch, you can listen to any of our episodes on demand, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, or uh, any other thing, any other platform that that podcasts are on. You just type in '80s Wrestling Radio on your podcast app on your iPhone. Uh, that's how I actually get to it. You can subscribe to it, and then when the new episode drops, it actually it'll send you like a text saying that it's on there which is really cool. So, uh, guys, keep up the great work. I was enjoying listening to you guys and I uh, look forward to, uh, you know, what, Jay, I, I, I don't have a, a lineup for next week, man. So uh, maybe uh, you can uh, pick the topic for next week. And maybe Matt can come out with us and do a three-way call on it because I, I enjoy Matt being part of the show. And, uh, Matt, if you're up to it, you two pick the topic tonight. And uh, next week we'll, uh, we'll do a little three-way on it. That sounds like a great plan to me, Tommy. Cool. Yeah, All hey right. Tommy, appreciate it, man. Hey, have a good night, and uh, thanks for thanks for throwing the uh, the invite my way. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem, man. I enjoy listening to you, man. I might uh, I might actually have you take you. I may maybe take my place in the future, you know. <laughs> I'm only kidding, Jay. <laughs> oh, I Guys, think we just dropped Tommy's call. I don't know if he's still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just dropped my call. Guys, uh, thank you so much. Have a good night, and I look forward to listening to the rest of the show. You too. Cool. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Have a good All one. Right, bye. All right, well, there you go. It's up to Matt and I what the topic of conversation will be next week. If you have a suggestion, an idea, give us a call and let us know. The number here is 323-927-2953. Let us know what the topic of conversation should be next week. But this week, we're in the middle of a hot conversation talking about hot rods. Rowdy, Rowdy, Piper, and Matt, I think it's time we jump into some of his greatest moments, and some of his greatest matches. Uh, He definitely feuded with some of the greatest names 
in the history of professional wrestling. I have my favorite matches. I'm sure you have yours. I have my favorite moments and interviews and segments from Piper's Pit. I'm sure you have a couple as well. I'm going to start with one match that, honestly, I didn't see live because I was too young. I read about it later on, but it is one of those matches that is a staple in the history of professional wrestling. It was from Starcade 1983. You referenced the ear injury that Piper suffered during this match earlier, Matt. It is the dog collar match against Greg Valentine. I had no idea this match happened until well after it did, and I read about it in a book, and I saw the black and white photos of just how bloody this match was. Matt, have you seen this match, or do you know of the match that we're discussing right now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got it on one of my, uh, um, uh, I think it's like best uh, matches or superstars of the 80s. It's one of the definitive matches like on that uh, DVD set. And uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it multiple times and it's, it's pretty violent. And what's crazy is that wasn't the only time they did that. You know, they, um, they had a series of those chain matches, the dog collar matches and the Indian strap matches. Um, You know, him and Valentine ran that program for a while um, in those, in those, uh, you know, kind of like those uh, Mid-Atlantic and Southeast territories, and yeah, I mean, they they held nothing back, man. I mean, that was an era where, you know, um, that was a very stiff product back then, and you know, you talk about those guys like they're just they're so tough. I mean, you got respect for every wrestler, you know, and these guys that come up now, you know, they got to go through their the different levels of training that they have, these power plants and wrestling schools, but. Man, you think about back in, in, in that era, you know, and how these guys were trained and, you know, how life on the road was back then. And, and then, you know, uh, the, the level, I mean, they're real genuine tough guys and, you know, um, just not holding anything back. And I think Piper, I think what um, he lost like half of his hearing permanently from that match um, in his left ear. So, yeah, man, it's a, that was that's definitely I mean if you put like a Mount Rushmore of Roddy Piper matches, I mean that one's that one's on it for sure. Absolutely. If you if you're listening and you happen to be too young to know what we're talking about, it was a dog collar match where where both Rowdy Piper and Greg the Hammer Valentine wore essentially a leather collar that resembled uh, a dog collar, or heck, it might have been a real dog collar. I don't know. It was a leather strap that they wore on their neck and they were connected together by a chain and they use this chain to just beat the holy heck out of each other uh both guys bloody piper suffering a severe laceration of his ear uh, as matt mentioned suffered hearing loss become because of it just a violent violent match but man it is like you said it's a mount rushmore match of rowdy pipers it's one of those moments in his career that people point to and they're just kind of astonished by what these two competitors were willing to put their bodies through. And like Matt mentioned, it wasn't a one-time deal. Like these guys uh, would put themselves through this kind of abuse uh, on more than one occasion uh, for the sake of pro wrestling. And so that's one of the matches that when people mention Rowdy Piper, often their minds jump to the dog collar match 
Uh, Matt, other than that match, is there another match of Piper's that you immediately think about when the cop, when the topic of conversation turns to hot rod? Yeah. Um, after WrestleMania one, you know, after uh, him and Orndorff lost that match and then they started a feud and it, it was a face turn for, for Orndorff. Um, that there's some amazing stuff with them. Um, great promos. And there's a match that they, they have at Madison square garden. I think it's sometime in the summer or early fall of 85. Um, that, uh, was just so good, so intense. And their, their interviews leading up to it were fantastic. And, you know, um, you had uh, Piper in the ring first, and Orndorff comes out, and, like, there's really hardly any introduction. I mean, he jumps through the ropes, and they just go at it. They just start absolutely wailing on each other, and there's just the story told of the sheer hatred and intensity that brewed out of that feud was told in the ring, and it was done so well that, you know, you looked at, you watched that match and you're like, wow, you think like these guys really must hate each other. Like they, they, uh, they didn't hold back, but like, you could just see it in their faces um, that, uh, you know, that they were, they just told stories so well. And to me, like, that's just almost the lost, the missing ingredient from the current stuff is just capturing that raw emotion and passion and not only the promos, but then carrying that level of intensity over into like how they interact in the ring, you know, just rushing each other and just blow for blow. Um, you know, it just looks like two guys that just hate each other, you know, and, and that's exactly how it should look. And, um, and so for me, that one really stands out a lot. You're absolutely right. That match, uh, you're, you're touching on believability. It was believable that these two hit each other. Because like you mentioned, as soon as Paul Orndorff gets through the ropes, he's got his robe on. He doesn't bother taking it off. He's in Piper's face. They're yelling at each other, and they start exchanging blows from the get-go. And the whole match, you can just tell, it's believable. They both look like they hate each other. They're yelling at each other. They're making the faces. They're going after each other. They're not holding any shots back. They're really hitting each other. Uh, and then I believe Cowboy Bob Orton comes down at the end of that one and kind of helps Piper beat up Mr. Wonderful a little bit more. But you're right. It's believability, and it's something that the wrestlers in the 80s did so well. And I'm not sure where that aspect of the business kind of got lost through the generations, but you don't see the same type of believability in today's product. Uh, why do you think that is, Matt? Where do you think that train left the rails as far as people really selling that emotion? Like you said, Piper could have people eating out of the palm of his hand, which is something mm-hmm. that is very rare in today's product. What What do you think happened to that aspect of the business? Boy, you know, I think every that to me is like one of the million dollar question, and I, obviously, as it evolved beyond the Attitude Era you had you had some level of like Vince coming in and having some kind of total control of trying to bring in um script writers and script the whole thing out and I don't I I honestly I mean and I'd love to hear anyone that had like an inside track on this. I mean this would be 
you know, great question for a guy like a Bruce Pritchard to like understand, you know, where was that moment in time where they felt they needed to like drop the truth, like letting, um, you know, just if you're a booker and you go to your talent, you know, and set up a storyline and just give the guys kind of a little bit of a roadmap and then let them take the ball and run with it. And if they're going to become a star, they're going to become a star. The crowd will dictate that. But those guys need to just go out and cut promos on their own. And if they suck, they'll know, you know, I, I don't think you can be a true star and you can't, um, if it, it's weird, I, I think you can be a star if you can be an amazing character and promo, like if you can be an amazing promo, but your wrestling skills are so, so I think you can be a huge star in the business. But if you can only wrestle and you can't talk, and I think that that's the problem that they have nowadays is that they've got too many guys that are really athletic, that are really into all the flipping around and doing some really great stuff. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the product in terms of, like, what the action looks like is much faster than it used to be back in the 80s. But none of – I mean, hardly any of them have that just natural charisma to, uh, to, to, to capture the audience. That's why I think like them hitching their wagon to Brock Lesnar has been, I mean, it, obviously over the last few years, I mean, it's worked for them in terms of being able to sell their television deals. But the fact that he's got no charisma and he's not a fighting champion, he's only a paycheck guy. He's got no personality whatsoever. Like, I feel like your champions have to absolutely have charisma. Like they've got to connect with the audience me like that's what built the business up to be great hogan savage warrior you know uh rock austin brett all these guys had amazing charisma and you either loved them or you hated them in some fashion but they were so super entertaining that that's what you bought into and then you get these champions like brock lesnar uh you know uh uh finn balor's a great wrestler his personality is a little, yeah, you know, and like you've got like these guys that are holding these, these belts, in my opinion, that just don't have a lot of natural charisma or if they, maybe they do and we don't get to see it because like it goes back to the original question is like what changed? And at some point, like they took the onus out of the wrestlers getting themselves over and getting the storylines over and putting it in the hands of writers to the point where um, Dutch Mantel did an interview. Uh, I can't remember who it was with, but like he said it perfectly is that you have one voice. Now you have, you have a voice of a writer and that voice is now being translated to every single performer that comes out and cuts some kind of promo or interview. Rarely are they going off script to like do their own thing. And that's, that's a huge problem. Because you want to have that individuality, you know, and that's what made like the Attitude Era so amazing is that, you know, guys like Austin, Rock, Triple H, uh, Kurt Angle, Mick Foley, Undertaker, they all had their own unique style about them, you know, and they, they, they built their characters on that style. And now, you like, you don't really have characters. You just got guys that all look kind of the same, wearing the same kind of stuff, having similar kinds of hair with different names. And and all kind of like coming across in their promos is sounding very much the same. And to me, that's where the product's gotten vanilla. Um, 
So anyway, that's, that's kind of a long roundabout answer, I guess. But yeah, I mean, going back, I tied it back to Piper. You know, I mean, he's he's the exact opposite of everything about wrestling today. Um, and um, you know, that's why I think he 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 just he's just amazing. You know, some other matches that stand out. I mean, um, obviously his match with Brett was probably one of his best overall matches of his career. And the match with Goldust at uh, WrestleMania was it 12, where um, the backlot brawl, that thing was epic. You know, in fact, I think, I think he actually broke his wrist partway through that and still kept going. So, um, you know, I, I, I'd put that match, the Brett match, his Orndorff feud, um, and, and obviously, you know, his, his initial stuff with Hogan, um, and then dating back even further, like, I mean, great stuff with Flair, great stuff with Valentine. Um, but um, that's kind of where he's at. You, you hit a lot of bases there, man, and I agreed with you uh, on a lot of what you were saying. Uh, the interesting thing is as you were talking um, about how charisma is the one thing that might be missing from today. Or like you said, we don't know if it's missing from the wrestlers. Maybe they're just not allowed to show their true personalities and their charisma. We have to remember in the eighties, as wrestling was starting to become big, there wasn't the writing team. There wasn't the creative team. Wrestlers made it or botched it based on their own abilities. And Piper's one of the guys that had the ability to get over on his own without writers telling him what to say. He had that it factor Uh, in the attitude era Uh, It's been documented that Vince McMahon took some of the restrictions away from the wrestlers and kind of told them, look, we're going into a new era. WCW is competing with us on a brand new level. We need guys to step up. And so he gave a little more leniency, a little more ability for wrestlers to show their own charisma. And that's what resulted in superstars like Stone Cold and The Rock and Triple H rising to the occasion because they were allowed to have a little more creative control over how their characters sounded. And unfortunately right now we're in an era where wrestlers don't have that advantage. They don't have that permission to kind of show who they truly are. Um, The only thing that I really dig about Brock Lesnar is that he is believable when he, he doesn't say anything. He seems like he doesn't care about pro wrestling. And I think I believe him. I just don't think he cares. Like you said, he's all about the paycheck. So I don't think he's the right guy to hit your wagon too long term. But I think the one thing he has is that believability because I believe he doesn't really care one way or another if the WWF succeeds as long as his paycheck gets cashed on the other end when he takes it to the bank. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to two old guys talk about how things were much better when they were young. If you'd like to weigh in <laughs> on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. The number here is 323-927-2953. I'm checking my watch. We have about 10 minutes left of the show, and so I want to bring up the iconic segment between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Jimmy Superfly Snuka on Piper's Pit. This was an era when Superfly Jimmy Snuka was over as a babyface, and Piper was over as a heel, and they had one of the most iconic segments in the history of pro wrestling. And Matt, I'd love to get your take on the coconut episode of Piper's Pit. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of the most iconic 
um, segments of the 80s. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting because it's obviously something, if you look about, like, a lot of what Piper did at times was stuff that you would say hasn't aged well uh, when it comes to race baiting. And a lot of the stuff, you know, whether it was Snuka or obviously, you know, Mr. T, who he had a real life hatred for. Um, and, uh, you know, so you watch that and, and you're thinking like so much of the of 80s wrestling um, would never fly. To, and, and today, like it, there's the, 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 the PC police would shut down so much of, of what, you know, transpired back then. And you know, that whole segment was just insult after insult after insult, you know, thrown at, at Snuka. Um, and, um, you know, and by all accounts, that was a pretty uh, legit um, <laughs> shoot coconut shot, you know, like to the, to the head. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it set up a, it set up a really great feud with those guys. And um you know, I, I, it, it, it's definitely one of, I mean, I think if you were to, you know, pick one definitive Piper's Pit moment, it's probably that. If not, you know, if it's not Hogan and Andre um, set up, it's, it's the, it's the Snooka Coconut. And, you know, I think it, you, you go back and you watch that and you're, you're like, you know, he just like really beamed him <laughs> with that thing. And, he uh, did. Do you, it, it, do you think that there was a conversation beforehand? Do you think Snuka knew that shot was coming, or do you think that was just for the moment on Piper's part? Gosh, you know, who knows? It's so tough to say. I mean, what do you think? You know, I I personally don't know. I don't think there was a conversation beforehand. I think it was one of those things where the decision was made in the spur of the moment to do it. Um because I don't know if anybody would agree to taking a real-life shoot coconut to the head, because those things are not soft. They're not meant to give. And the coconut actually breaks when they do it. Uh, and just the kind of the, the reaction from Snuka, I think it was a legit shot. I don't think it was discussed beforehand. But you never know, because this is an era when KFEB was alive and well, and we didn't know what was planned and what was uh, done in the spur of the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Piper was a guy that really acted on a lot of impulse. You know, when you look at when, – when he was when he was in kind of like those crazy tirade moments, he just kind of becomes a bit of a loose cannon. And so, you know, I, I think in his mind um, that was just going to add to the buildup of, of the feud. You know, just – and for a guy that, that, that had half of his ear ripped off and, and, and hearing loss from a dog collar match, you know, uh, to him taking a shot uh, with a coconut upside someone's head is, is just, you know, that's just the name of the game. Part of, uh, part of the kind of like Hogan and as Thunder lips in uh, Rocky three, right at the, at the end. And Balboa is like, uh, man, why'd you get so crazy on me out there? And he goes, that's the name of the game. And I kind of feel like, that was a bit of a that was kind of a bit of a mantra that that those guys in that era lived by, right? Like when you when when the when the camera's on and and it's action, like you know it's it's intense and sometimes you know unpredictable, and you gotta be ready for whatever might come your way, especially when you got a guy like like Piper who's known to be like relatively volatile when he's in character like that. 
I think that's it. I think he's he's volatile when he's in character. When that camera light is on, you don't know what to expect. And I think he was just caught up in the moment, uh, and he did it. But like you said, it added to the feud. And it's one of those moments that you will see replayed over and over again when they're talking about uh, Piper, when they're talking about Snuka, when they're talking about uh, those interview segments like Piper's Pit. It's one of those moments that seems to live on and on. And so whether it was discussed beforehand or it happened in the heat of the moment, either way, it made for entertaining wrestling and it helped push that feud uh, to the next level for sure. Um, As we're closing uh, the show here, we got about uh, five or so minutes left. I'd love to get Matt's take on what do you think Rowdy Roddy Piper's legacy uh, in the world of professional wrestling is? Um, you know, one of a kind, like, like I said, I maintain he's got the most interesting, unique career of any wrestler ever. Um, unbelievable entertainer. Uh, I, I think he's, he's going to be a guy that, uh, like, uh, like Frank Sinatra, man, did it my way. And I think like that was exactly who he was. I mean, he, he kind of, you know, once he, once he got to the WWF, and established himself there from like 1985 on, you know, I think in terms of the wrestling business for the next 20 plus 30, I mean, well, I mean, if you talk about even coming back on all the things they brought him back on, like he just kind of was able to write his own ticket, you know, and, and very few wrestlers can, especially when they're in their prime or maybe even still on the tail end of their prime, like he was in the late eighties and early nineties, you know, to be able to drift, in and out like that, um, I would think most wrestlers would be told by Vince, hey, you're either in or you're out. You got to work this many dates, and, you know, that's, that's just what it is. But I'm not going to have – but because he was such a unique star and because he drew and was multi-talented, you know, again, could be doing everything from wrestling to, to hosting and announcing, I think he just – he kind of – carved out his own niche where he had that autonomy to be able to go pursue acting and walk away from wrestling whenever he wanted. You know, I mean, at that time, Hulk was really the only other guy that started to get that type of um, clout with Vince. And even Vince would be like, Hey, (laughs) like he'd be trying to, you know, every time I think Hulk tried to get out of wrestling a few times there in the late eighties. And, you know, after a while, like, I, you know, Warrior just couldn't carry the strap and he was his own head case. But like, you know, Vince had to keep going back to the Hulk well and, and, uh, and put the belt on him or have him be in the picture because the business kept dropping when he was gone. And so it's like Vince kept coming after him for that. But with Piper, Piper was such a big draw, but, but he wasn't Hogan level draw, but he was, he was that notch under there that people were always going to want to see him. But yet, you know, he could just, he just did it his way, and I think that's his legacy. Like he's one of the few guys in the entire industry that literally did it how he wanted to do it. I think all show long, Matt, you've been making a great case for that. And at this point in the show, I 100% agree with you. Rowdy Piper is a guy who lived life uh, both in the ring and out of the ring on his own terms. He was able to call many of his own shots. 
Uh, he was able to have a lot of control over the path that his career went. Um, and then I think what I love about him is that later on his, in his career, he was not shy about passing the torch. He helped launch Brett the Hitman Hart's career when he dropped the IC strap to him. In later interviews, later on in his life, he was very positive and put forth a lot of love towards his fellow wrestlers and friends from the 80s. And so I think he was a guy who initially, he was looking out for number one, looking out for himself. Uh, but towards the end of his, his career and towards the end of his life, he really was thankful for the spot he had. Uh, and he showed love to those that uh, he was able to work with and live with. And he was a guy who entertained you. If, if you loved him, you loved him. If you hated him, you loved to hate him. There was just something about him that captivated your attention, it drew your, your mind, your eye, your heart. He had you eating out of the palm of his hand one way or another. And there will never be another one like Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's for sure. Matt, we have some business to take care of before we wrap up for the evening. Tommy left us with a task to pick the topic of conversation for next week. I'm going to give you a second, Matt, to start uh, getting your hamster on the wheel and thinking about that. While I mention a very big event that is coming up uh, for 80s wrestling radio and 80s wrestling in general, I'm talking about 80s Wrestling Con 2, which is taking place October the 22nd in Freehold, New Jersey. This is the second, um, I'm going to call it a fan fest that Tommy is putting on. And just listen to this list of names, these superstars that will be in attendance at 80s Wrestling Con 2. We're talking about the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, joined with Virgil. Those two will be side by side for meet and greets, autographs, and pictures. Also in attendance will be Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, he's from the great state of Minnesota, which I reside in, and so he's a fan uh, favorite for me. We have Bob Backman, one of the greatest champions of all time. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. He's been mentioned on this show countless times. Also in attendance will be Axe and Smash Demolition. Brutus, the Barber Beefcake. The Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Both the Killer Bees. And my personal favorite rocker, Marty Janetti, will be in attendance along with Brooklyn Brawler, Tugboat, and Haku. And I know for a fact that tickets are on sale now. You can get your general admission tickets by visiting iPlayAmerica. You need a general admission ticket. Otherwise, you'll be left out on the sidewalk peering into the windows. And you can also visit 80swrestlingcon.com for other ticket prices, autographs, photos, and anything else that you're curious about. 80s Wrestling Con 2 taking place October the 22nd in Freehold, New Jersey. I was able to attend 80s Con uh, 1, the original, and it was a great event, and I'm looking forward to 80s Wrestling Con 2. Again, anything you need to know, go to 80swrestlingcon.com for the latest information. All right, Matt, we have very important business to handle right now. We've been put on the spot by Tommy to pick next week's topic of conversation on 80s wrestling radio. I wrote down a few notes myself, but I'm curious to know, Matt, did you come up with any topics that might tickle the eardrums of the listeners? I've got two. I'll, I'll throw them out there. 
The first one was a uh, topic of uh, discussing the Million Dollar Man character. Ooh. And uh, the second would be um, iconic Saturday Night's main event moments. Oh, my goodness. Those are two amazing topics. I'm not even going to read mine. I'll save mine for other episodes. So we need to decide, are we talking about the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, or are we talking about Saturday Night's main event? I promise you, we will cover both of those subjects at some time because they're just too good to pass up. Matt, if you had to choose one, what is the first idea that popped in your head? Well, all right, before I go there, what do you think if we take those two, throw them to Tommy, and let him throw out uh, like a voter poll and choose it this week? Or Oh, my. I love it. So we just pick one of the two. So that way we don't actually have to choose it tonight. But uh, he could throw it out on his uh, Instagram page and do like just kind of like a – a voter's choice of who should be dis- what would what would you choose between the two, and uh, and let uh, let fans do it or uh, man I don't know if I had to do one of those two I'd probably lean towards the Saturday Night's Main Event because I loved that show um, in the '80s as a kid I mean it was just it was the best thing ever when it came to wrestling when it if it wasn't WrestleMania like Saturday Night's Main Event was the next best thing. Um, but uh, but obviously Million Dollar Man too. I love that character, and and I think um, DiBiase was was just a phenomenal heel and definitely worth a topic. So um, yeah, I guess if I had to lean one way, I'd say Saturday Night's Main Event. But um, but I don't know. I don't know if we have to make a decision or if we can throw them, throw those two to Tommy, and uh, or if you even have another one you want to throw in the mix, and then see if he wants to to throw a poll out there. But either way, I'm sure you probably decide this week. I, I think you have a beautiful idea. I think you and I are going to make the hot tag and put it on Tommy to decide. I think we throw him the Million Dollar Man and Saturday Night Main Event, and we let him put it on his Instagram page, let people vote, comment, whatever they need to do, and then we'll pick it by next Friday and we'll get it up there, and then that'll be the topic of conversation for next week on Monday. Those are two great choices, and I promise you, if Saturday Night Main Event wins, which it's a heck of a conversation. And so it, it, it has a very good chance of winning. So if that's the one that wins, I promise you, because Ted DiBiase is appearing at 80s Wrestling Con 2, we're going to get to him. There's no doubt in my <laughs> mind we'll be talking about the Million Dollar Man very soon. But I say we put it on Tommy and the followers on his Instagram page to vote. So if you're listening and you want to weigh in on what the topic of conversation will be next week, we're going to put it up between the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and the show Saturday Night Main Event, which has some of the most iconic moments in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, uh, both wonderful topics. Matt, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on 80s Wrestling Radio. I thoroughly enjoyed discussing Rowdy Piper. And before we got on the air, Matt said, you know what, this probably should be a two-hour show. And as I'm sitting here now at 11 o'clock, we barely scratched the surface of Rowdy Piper, Matt. So I think you're right. We could probably spend another hour uh, talking about him. And so maybe we'll have to continue the conversation during another show. But Matt, seriously, thank you so much, brother, for joining us here tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, Jay, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, um, anytime, I'd love to come back and 
and uh, and help host or or just uh, contribute. Um, I think you guys got a, a really fun thing going on here, and really appreciate uh, the time and uh, to Tommy as well, man. Well, now I think, and, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but I think there's a date coming up where Tommy's on vacation and he's already reached out to you. So I think you're you're already uh, oh yeah right. agreed to yeah. come back at least once. Uh, and then I believe we all heard Tommy extend the invitation next week. So if that works for you, man, we'd love to have you sitting uh, right next to us as we discuss either the Million Dollar Man or Saturday Night Main Event. If it works in your schedule, I'd love to be visiting with you next week, man. All right. Yeah, we'll make it happen then. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's in a few weeks on the 29th. I think he's out of town, so I'll be back then as well. Awesome. So I tell you what, man, whatever conversation gets chosen this week, maybe you and I will pick up the uh, the other one the next time you're hosting. I think that'd be very cool. Sounds great. Ladies and gentlemen, right, thank you Jay. so much for listening again this week. This is Jay along with Matt. And we are, hey Matt, before we get off the air, we should plug your Instagram page because it's amazing. If you guys haven't seen this, you need to check this out. His page is one of the best pages uh, for 80s wrestling. And he's got over 20,000 followers, I believe, Matt. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Squared circle classics, um, on Instagram. So if you want to, uh, to follow, I, I'm, I'm pretty active in, in, uh, putting up some of their stuff daily, pretty much all, um, eighties and nineties content. I mix in some, I'm a big movie fan too. Um, so, uh, every so often I'll mix in, um, some, uh, some movie stuff. I try to keep it kind of like action focused to kind of stay in line with wrestling. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if you want to follow Squared Circle Classics on Instagram, give it a look, people. You will not be disappointed. For Matt from Squared Circle Classics and Jay, thank you so much for listening. This has been 80s Wrestling Radio. We'll catch you next time.